Hello. And welcome to the Tony Awards. Tony with an I. Dina. Dina. Sorry. <laughs> the podcast where we go through the select filmography of underrated actresses. Today, we're continuing our Adina Menzel miniseries with Adina's sole appearance in season four of Glee. But before we get to that, I want us to welcome our very special guest, Miss Christine Phelan. Hello, everyone. And I just realized that I did the intro in a different order than I usually do. Okay, so uh, today... Right. You're blonde now, so you can make mistakes like this. I can just chalk it up to being a fucking idiot. <laughs> um, so Adina appeared multiple times in season one of Glee, took a break for season two, came back in season three of Glee, and in season four, she only has one appearance. I'm pretty sure it's only one scene in this yeah. episode, Sweet Dreams. So. So why are we covering? What, what's up with that? <laughs> yeah, well, notably, she doesn't return for the 100th episode, which is season five, which uh, Kristen Chenoweth and Gwyneth Paltrow return for her. And she also doesn't return for the series finale in which a lot of random people who've been on the show return for one last oh it's not don't stop believing it's it's um they sing a one republic song oh my god because they've done don't stop believing to death uh, but even terry comes back for that one but adina uh-huh. i guess this was her last song see and she was like you know i'll come back one more time get rachel on broadway and then i'm, I'm done she gives her the worst possible audition song for Funny Girl, yes. uh, which is the song Next to Me. She's like, you should By do this. Emily Sunday. And I remember this song. I forgot about this song, but I loved this song in 2013. So it was, it was a bop. Well, that's what I was trying to remember. Like I looked up, okay, when was season four? And it was around 2012, 2013. Because I remembered they would, like a new song will come on the radio, something super popular, and then maybe the episode two weeks later, while yeah. like America was still riding the high of that tune on the radio, they would throw it on Glee. So I yes. was like, what? I always wondered if they said, well, you know, this song is out now. We need to make a plot line around it. Or this is the plot line that's happening. What song mm. is existing on the radio that we can like stuff in there? I so think I it was a combination like, of both. Yeah. I yeah, really... Like, we talked earlier about how this is like why the writing in the later seasons kind of suffers is probably because they were trying to stay current, which ironically, eight years later means that super dated, like the Harlem Shake thing. At the beginning. <gasps> yeah. I mean, it's it's very nostalgic for me. Like they wrote, um, I remember when we started freshman years when I started Glee. Um, so that was when Corey Monty died. So I binged the whole thing and that was that fall, but they had like a literal, what does the Fox say scene? Like yeah. two oh weeks God. after it happened to society. I don't know. I, it's like a double-edged sword because I like when Glee does more current things because the whole first season is just journey, but it also kind of makes the plotting suffer. So that's the whole thing with that. Yeah, it's interesting how in this episode, the characters seem to take a stance on the debate that has to have been happening outside of Glee in the real world when Will wants them to stick super to the theme of, I think, regionals. And he's like, you're going to do a mashup 
of Dreamweaver, you make my dreams come true and sweet dreams are made of these. And then the kids all have a meeting about how they only want to sing current songs. And it's like, oh, Will is being so lame by making us adhere to the theme. And it's like, yes, Will Schuster is the, the devil. devil. But it He's also- worse than the devil. The devil all- is gay now. So we have to, <laughs> he's like, Will is transphobic. <laughs> He's transphobic in this episode. He's <laughs> awful. He's terrible. And in the end, he has a half-ass apology slash kind of sexual harassment to Unique and also everyone else. And it's like, he would be so canceled yeah. in 2020 as, as, a, as a teacher. At the beginning of the episode, Unique is trying to give herself boobs. So she uh, takes birth control and she puts like... um. Oh, they're chicken cutlets. Chicken cutlets. Mm -hmm. That's what I was thinking of. And Will goes, unique. You need to tone it down with the whole boob thing. And then at the end of the episode, he comes in. He's like, unique. I'm sorry. Uh, Your tits look fantastic. Really phenomenal. Would love (laughs) to see them myself if they were ever available. Ew. Um, Yeah, it's just it's just a nightmare all around. Um, He's just a nightmare. And also, like, not to... um, belabor the point but like jumping into this episode specifically after we've been spending time with the first three seasons is so so bizarre because all the characters are just completely exaggerated versions of themselves well and all the old characters are kind of just cardboard at this point like well, I had the same thing because I was like, okay, we're doing season four, episode 19. Mm-hmm. And I, I told Sam, like, I rewatched Glee over the pandemic because <laughs> I don't know why. I was like a comfort show. And like halfway through season it's so four, stressful. I was like, I was like, it's is- so it's so watchable though. Like I'll have it on yeah. in the living room and my roommates will tell me that they don't want to watch it with me, but I'll put but it then on they do, anyway. Yeah. And then they love it. <laughs> well, when you jump into it, any episode with no context because I was like maybe I should look up what happened before this and I was like no I'll just dive right in and rewatch no 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 the episode (laughs) before this is the one where a gun goes off at the school and they're in lockdown in the choir room for like the entire episode and everybody's like crying and like trying to get in touch with their family and then it turns out that Becky Jackson the girl with Down syndrome accidentally set off a gun while she was maybe trying to kill herself the fact that makes Glee so Glee is the fact is that that storyline is completely belittled and made fun of in the immediately following episode yes. by Nene Leakes, um, <laughs> which is just so chaotic and ridiculous. She's like, why the hell did, was, did Sue have a gun in school and why did she drop it and why did it go off twice? That makes no sense. I'm like, this happened last episode and you're already making fun of it which is so funny she's also right because the story doesn't make sense because sue ends up taking the fall for becky and then gets fired but if glee's owning its own choice like i get making fun of that choice like maybe a season later or half a season later with the next episode you're not even going to stick to your dumb storyline like for one more week I think Nini's first line as she comes in, she goes, are you still upset about that fake school shooting from yesterday? (laughs) I I just like Ryan Murphy, like really thought he was doing something. And I was like, you know what? This is not a bad thing to bring up. Like this is not a bad topic to try and approach. And I think during that time, again, I was like context of what was happening in the moment. I don't exactly remember, but I'm pretty sure that was when there was a nationwide 
really uproar about oh, oh, oh. this happened wasn't it sandy hook two, no it was two months after sandy hook yeah oh God. yeah and also like the summer after um the aurora shooting as well meanwhile like during that episode i know that this is not the episode that we're here to discuss however <laughs> what kills me during that episode is also the side plot of rider Riley is what's his his name? It is Ryder. Of Ryder, like talking to this girl, Katie, who is actually unique catfishing him. (gasps) But sorry if that's a spoiler, Sam. No, that's going on while people are calling (laughs) your families. Like, this is my last moment. And he's like, I have to meet Katie. And Uh it's like, and and then he gets hostile in the Glee choir room. Mm. And he's like, everybody take out your phones. (laughs) Which one of you is Katie? It's literally insane. Like this, the if they had done, if this episode, if the school shooting episode had happened in like season two, it probably would have been much better. But the fact that they chose to do it far after Glee had completely lost its grip on reality. Yeah. Like this is the same episode where Brittany tries to stay home from school because she thinks there's a meteor headed to Earth. But actually there was <laughs> some dust on her telescope. And well, Brittany not- was never really in reality. Let's be fair about that. And that's true. But it gets her, like, that belief of hers gets so much airtime. Whereas in the first season, it would have been, like, a throwaway joke. Mm-hmm. Like, the school shooting isn't even the A plot of the episode. No. <laughs> it gets, oh, God like- forbid they give Becky an A plot. It gives it gets maybe like 10 minute 10 to 15 minutes of airtime in a show that is largely dominated by things way less interesting than a school shooting. Always. I mean, the thing is I am so intrigued though to watch to rewatch this season because it's so ridiculous. Like I know. It's like addictive in a horrible way. Like sometimes I don't even like season 1 because it's not that chaotic, you know? And I feel like I don't know. Christine, did you, you said you rewatched the entire series last year? The entire year? thing. And I had, had you seen this the finale, the final season before? No. I think I stopped like in high school when yeah. I was watching into college. I don't think I got into season three because I remember rewatching doing my game. Everyone fell re-watch. off, yeah. And mm-hmm. I remember season three, the nationals episode, which was like pinball wizard and like edge of glory and i remember actually intently watching this and saying this is fantastic literally me with regionals the other day yeah but then i had to stop because i was i was doing my pandemic rewatch and then i got up to the part where uh rachel berry skips a performance of are we allowed to do spoilers we're gonna yeah that's fine she skips a performance of uh funny girl because she just like does not coordinate with an agent or a producer and like also actors equity does not step in to give her a day off and the producer's like you're not allowed to miss any shows at all and she lies and like flies to LA to audition for a pilot but like as a former stage manager that gave me so much anxiety that I was like she is about to just not show up to work and so I stopped the episode and I didn't pick it up for two months (laughs) I was so upset oh my god yeah I hate I hate when Glee like they 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 trick you into thinking that they are respectful of like the industry and like how things work and then all of a sudden they, they just don't I, I does that make sense i don't know it's like kurt having audition scaffolding for an audition singing oh, for a, west side story yeah it's just like minor things i'm like why are you singing like oh like when will sang dream on for jean valjean audition mm-hmm. i don't know it's just it's I like mean- 
There are so many things. I think with this episode or this season, really, we see so much of New York City. And so, like, I even have notes about this episode where I'm like, this is such a misleading yeah. picture of what New York is like, what college is like. And I'm so glad that I did not watch this in real time because I think if I had watched Glee in real time as somebody who was like preparing to go to college for theater, someone who was in college for theater, I would have had such a drastic. Uh, and misleading experience of what I was like looking forward to oh. or not looking forward to. For sure. I mean, I watched it my freshman year. And like I say, like right after Cory Monty dies, when I picked it up. So I watched everything that was up to that point. And that was when season five was airing live. And um, I didn't really like necessarily think of it as an accurate college experience, but more so like kind of an idealization of, like theater as a community, which it does work in a way. Like I think the first few seasons, especially are like kind of nostalgic, even if you didn't watch them. But like, yeah, season four is pretty iconic because, you know, you have the Kate Hudson uh, storyline with Rachel's sex worker boyfriend. Um, You have the Sarah Jessica Parker storyline, let's have a Kiki Thanksgiving. That's one of my favorite scenes in the whole series. Like so ridiculous. I think Glee almost could have transformed into something good if Corey Monteith hadn't died. Like, I feel like they could have gotten another, a second wind basically mm-hmm. with the New York thing if they had chosen to actually, they were gonna need to either stick to the school or stick to New York. And I remember a lot of people were like, stick to New York, it's so much better to see the original cast growing up, whatever, and it was. So in the last half of season five, don't they just stick to New York? And then all of a sudden in the last season, they're like, no, we're going back to Ohio and it's just going to be a send off for everybody. Yeah. Which is kind of embarrassing because they just spent so much time developing boring Marley and then they just completely cut her. Oh my God. I'm sorry. All of the notes that I took today were me rehashing my absolute hatred for Marley as a human being. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She's the worst. And this is what, and I think you just like nailed it with like either choose New York or choose Glee and I hate all the new kids. Like, except for Kitty, every single new person that came in, I was like, this just simply. And that's why they work. keep yeah. Kitty in the last season. It's, she's like the only one who has an actual role in the last season, right? She's like, mm-hmm. they are. Well, a what happens? Times. Kitty is the new Quinn, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah she's she kind was of good. works as a. She kind of functions as a Quinn Santana Brittany hybrid because I I loved her in uh, the shooting episode. When she's like crying and hugging her friend and saying, I'm sorry, I made you think you were fat. And iconic. She's a good actress. Iconic. Yeah. Icon- like, <sighs> icons of gaslighting. <laughs> I just. Kitty I, uh, and the guy from Gaslight. The guy from Gaslight. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I remember. So I, I, so I turned on the episode to rewatch it for this podcast and being like, okay, what is going on? Like, where are we? Who's still here? Like, I was like, why are Tina and Artie here? And I was like, oh, they're still students. All right. So that's where we are in this. Mm -hmm. I was like, shoot. Mm -hmm. But I'm looking at all these students and I, how do you say Melissa Ben, Ben? Oh, I have no idea. I think it's Benoist. Benoist. Okay. And she went to, she went to our college. college. Oh, wow. She's fairly legendary there for reasons she probably wouldn't um, like. Yeah. I mean, 
I'll say the one that's less embarrassing, which is that she got in trouble for shoplifting the week that she was supposed to debut as Millie in Thoroughly Modern Millie. And the faculty had to bail her out so that she could go to the invited dress. But I mean, you relate to that, Sam. I do. And when I heard that story, I was like, maybe one day I'll be a famous actress and people will be talking about how I got in trouble for shoplifting while I was at Marymount. Well, and that's uh, on Marymount too, because they famously just like refused to have understudies. Yeah. <laughs> so they should have left her in jail overnight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, that's an amazing story. That's incredible. Um, I think like she's a great actor and I think she has a beautiful voice, but yeah. the experiment of having a character who is completely and wholly a good person on this show doesn't work. Like oh, Marley mm-hmm. doesn't have any flaws except that she's really gullible and she's yeah. really um, susceptible to like Kitty's bullying. But I, I just – there's nothing about her – she you gotta be a crappy person to be on glee i don't know how to say it it's like literally every single character has done something on the show that is like absolutely repugnant (laughs) and like every character should have been expelled long ago i mean in the pilot puck like traps Artie in a porta potty and wheel and like tosses him down a hill it, it's just an incredible show to be like, but let's have a good character on that we introduce in the fourth season. The the combination of all of those people like that, I think it's the end of season five, whichever moment where Rachel decides that New York is just not for her and like she has really horrible career failure and she just decides to show up back at McKinley High and Ohio as a whole. And apparently Sue Sylvester has just made all of the new Glee Club kids transfer like she was like oh my god she was like we need to be an academically focused high school and all the glee club kids like i don't want them to even attempt to reform glee club so i'm gonna make them transfer to other schools and they just disappear that is so funny marley jake Ryder, whoever kitty stays but like they're just gone and i was like you know what i have breathed a sigh of relief like yeah (laughs) i just needed them out of my immediate viewpoint (laughs) No, for real though. But I do think it's like, I have such conflicting feelings about that because while it was nice that they did scrap them, it just felt so cheap to like, just have not even a send off. Like, at least you owe it to these dumb actors, I guess, maybe to have like a final song. I don't know. I just think it's so funny that Ryan Murphy would do that. I support it because... Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. I support it, but it's I'm also... It's very... It's, I, okay. It's me, so capitalist death cult of him, which is exactly yeah. what Glee became in season four. So it's very befitting of the reality that the show lives in at this point. Yeah. Let me not say dumb actors. I didn't mean dumb actors. I meant dumb characters. The actors <laughs> are not dumb. It's the exception of... Brody, actors are dumb. Or no, Blake Jenner, who did abuse Melissa Benoist because, when their relationship... He is canceled forever. Not everybody um, can be Corey and Leah. Uh, okay. Should we Famously talk about the beginning of had a very episode? happy ending. <laughs> sure. Yes. Okay. So Stop. this episode, it begins with the most psychotic voiceover, like anime voiceover going, so here's what you missed on Glee. A gun went off and Finn kissed Emma. <laughs> Which is I so screamed. Good. Why? The fact that this is Corey Monteith's final episode as well and this is the plot they gave him this is the one yeah 
This is the plot they <gasps> gave him. This was in between this is the episode. The last plot they gave him is him kissing Emma. Wrong. Like, I also, I don't know the details of Emma and Mr. Schuster's breakup, but I support her and I hope I don't that they care. don't get back together. I No, they, they don't break up. Uh, they I like together. Emma. She just stays off screen. Ever since I got diagnosed with OCD, they should have I've replaced had a Will. Spot for Emma. They should have. I think they should have cut him when he was transphobic and then had Emma be the Glee Club teacher. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, Sam, I was going to ask you, you did research his death, right? And I want to yeah. know why he's not in the last three episodes of the season. Also, so real quick, what, he's not in the last scene either. Yeah. Of this. Yeah. So here's what happened is um, Ryan Murphy had like a mini intervention for Corey Monteith in his office. Cause huh. at the time of filming, I think um, he was relapsing and Ryan said, we're going to write you out of the last three episodes so that you can go to rehab. And he was like, okay. And then he got out of rehab and as at some point after getting out of rehab, he relapsed again uh, and died of an accidental overdose and they had already like written the first two episodes of the fifth season at that point. So they decided Which, to- They're have, the, the Beatles ones, I believe. I don't know. Where Tina is um, Carrie Whited. Oh my God. Oh my God. So <laughs> so, t- so Tina had to get Carrie Whited before they could do um, a Corey Monteith death episode. Yeah. And apparently- <laughs> uh, <laughs> Imagine being Tina and receiving the news of Finn's death and being like <laughs> classic Tina. Tina, Tina's really going through it in this oh. episode in particular in Sweet Dreams, her first appearance. She's dressed in a steampunk outfit. And she like so look just looks so depressed as she looks at Marley and goes, She looks so bad she she looks so upset she just goes it's called steampunk it's the next big thing and that's like her only line in the episode and she looks so sad no but then she also says i can't remember if i'm a cheerio or not i truly don't know and then blaine's randomly captain of the cheerios blaine is captain of the cheerios fucking kill me (laughs) fucking tina Uh, Tina was so upset that she didn't get to be in the choir room during the school shooting episode. She hadn't had a plot line in months. And there's that scene where Where she's like, she she was late. And there's that scene where she's like crying to Figgins outside. And she's like, you have to let me go in there. My friends are in there. I was late to Glee Club. And Figgins is like, there's a lockdown. No, you can't go in. He's like, I need to get shot at Glee Club. Mm-hmm. And you're like Tina. Is this the season with the um, vapo rape? I don't know. Do you remember that? I, don't I have know no idea. I think when this she, was they, earlier in the season. Oh, was this when she was like in love with Blaine? Rape, but it's really just she puts, yeah, she puts vapo rub on his uh, chest and then they think they hook up or something. And I no, really. He's sick. Mm-mm. He's sick and she's taking care of him. So she's like, oh, I'll put vapor yeah. up on his chest. While Blaine is literally like asleep, like, like knocked out because he's so ill. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, she yeah, yeah. snuggles with him while he's asleep because she's weird. Yeah. <laughs> that they love, they love throwing around like sexual assault terms on Glee. Oh, mm-hmm. just, just casually. Fun. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, when like it's Brittany, 2007 or something. When Brittany says that she <laughs> lost her virginity to an alien invader at summer camp, a bunch of uh. kids on Tumblr were like, that means she was raped. I was like, I really don't think that that's what they had in mind. That's like, what that means. Sorry. I was like, I think Brittany might have had sex with an alien, actually. <laughs> it sounds I like really it. think that she or went she into a UFO and was seduced <laughs> by an alien. They also are just kind of making light of the PTSD in this episode because Sam spends the whole episode being uh, pretending he is twins. Oh my and that God. never lands at all. Not even once does that joke land. That annoyed the shit out of me because I thought that he had an actual twin for a while. I was like, okay, I'm coming into this. <laughs> I've missed like an entire season's <laughs> worth of episodes. Season. <laughs> Sam, they got you. They like, really did. The bit got you. Yeah. Um, I have a note as I was watching it that says, ah, fuck, I just remembered the new group of kids, ugh, because <laughs> I hated the introduction to the episode where Marley's doing her voiceover, where she's like, I want to sing my songs with everyone. And she goes, ever since the gun went off at school, everyone's been strange. And I was like, <laughs> are you not upset, Marley? <laughs> this, like, I... teenagers are really the most insane people alive to be fair Mm -hmm. like what like never mind but I no you're right I I'm looking at my notes and I just think it's so this episode also had no plot that was worth caring about that's that's my main issue with because first of all by the time you see Kurt and Artie um, and Mercedes randomly for the first time is in Rachel's fantasy audition. And I'm like, where are all these characters? You're fucking on three completely different locations, Rachel auditioning, Finn at college, and this Marley bullshit. Mm-hmm. There are like pre- basically no, they spread themselves so thin with the season. There are no care, like none of the characters that you should be interacting or interacting. Where the fuck was Santana? She's the only reason worth watching the show past season three, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It was just so all over the place. And then these 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 new kids, it's just like Marley. It's like, why do you think, why do you think people want to sing your songs at regionals? <laughs> well, wait, if my... I'm going to see a Glee club. Okay, yeah. Sorry, I went forward a little bit. But... No, my favorite part of this episode, and when I realized how fully disconnected from reality the show was, was when Marley calls Blaine and Sam and Unique into the theater, and she's like, mm-hmm. this is one of my songs that I wrote. It seemed like you guys were particularly upset with Mr. Schuster yesterday, so I thought that you would want to sing it with me and it's mentioned as a song that she wrote but it was actually commissioned by the university of iowa for their it gets better campaign and it's just fully a song that exists independently of glee really yeah but then at the end they use a a glee original song i think right at the end it's a glee original song but the one that they sing at the piano she's like i wrote this it's a song it's like about gay rights (gasps) oh my god ridiculous I'm going to say it like we hate Will Schuster. I know this, but I respect that Will Schuster told her no. I respect that he hates her so much. (laughs) Although, wasn't she supposed to be like the new Rachel? Yeah. 
I just know because the first episode of season four is called The New Rachel. And the thumbnail is her like walking down the hallway in a sweater. Meanwhile, Marley's like, hi, it's me. I'm Marley. I like to sing. And I was like, she's the new Rachel? What does this mean? Like, what does that mean? <laughs> they, like, I I think that the thing is that Ryan Murphy is evil. So I think that he forgot. He consistently forgets what makes Rachel evil, which is her, like, relentless right. pursuit of power and her need to like get to the top regardless of who she has to step on to get there and okay i'm looking at the lyrics for you have more friends than you know which is the it gets better mm-hmm. song and it's like you're exactly who you're supposed to be and you don't have to go through this on your own be who you uh, are it's not about how you it's not about who you love but how you live <laughs> this sounds that's like incorrect this- it sounds like it was kidding. written by someone who thinks that they have experienced life events. It's like, you know, those, mm. those those tweets that are like, oh, I had a bot watch a thousand hours of Glee and had it write a Yeah. Song. Yeah. You know, like oh I feel my like God. Marley was like, I'm a bot who like read a thousand <laughs> Hallmark cards and this is what I came up with. They printed mm. her out. She is a Glee bot. No, not even. She's not a Glee bot. That's the whole problem. She should be. <laughs> Like if they were gonna, her character might have worked if they were actually trying to have a younger version of Rachel. Yeah. Because that's the original like tone of the show anyway. Marley does nev- has never fit Glee tonally at all. Mm-mm. Like they have good people on the show. Like Coach Beast is a good person. Like Emma is a good yeah. person. But they have flaws and they do mess up and they have like very interesting storylines and they have deep connections yeah. with other characters. Marley got thrown in here as an incredible singer. And then they were like, maybe she likes Ryder. Maybe she likes Jake. Maybe. And she their likes- whole thing was like, her mom is overweight and she has bulimia. Um, that's sorry. That's not a personality. <laughs> they just like did not know what to do with this girl. You heard it here first. Having bulimia is not a personality. <laughs> well, Kitty says that today. I mean, today in the sh- in the episode, she's like, "We don't want to hear about having a fat mom. We don't want to hear about you throwing up." Like, that's Glee making fun of itself again. It's Glee making fun yeah. of itself. Um, I just think that Marley's songs are basically Glee's version of "Your Eyes" from Rent. Yeah, like Roger's on all that time writing that song, like dying for that song, shoving that song down, shoving the mm. idea of that song down people's throats. And then we hear the song and I'm like, that's it? Mm-hmm. That's I no, bring on Dreamweaver. No, I'm sorry. They <laughs> they do original songs way too often on this show. There was also some musical artists. Loser like have, me. It might have been like Kings of Leon, potentially, um, who wouldn't let Glee use their songs and went to the media and was like, I just think it's fucking stupid. Write your own damn songs. And it's like, what do you think a Glee Club is? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, right? I do no love- one wants to see that. Does Matthew Marson get to plug his song in season three at Nationals? Oh my God. Oh, he, like, it's when they arrive in New York City for like one of the competitions and he sings on the stage and like dreams that it's the auditorium is full of people. That's like Matthew Morrison's like ep that they let him sing really see i knew that some artists were like that too like i think taylor swift was i really think there's very few taylor swift songs on glee Mm. probably for the best um them using it 
I don't know. I don't think they use a lot. I think she was just, you know, how she is with her rights, her whatever. Right. A little bit annoying, but um, as I just like the Lady Gaga never was like that. But, um, and then Disney, of course, had some contractual things. They only use, they do have Let It Go in the season six opener, I think. Um, but that's one of the only ones I believe. Other than that, I think it was pretty much fair game. Yeah. Um, I don't know where I was going with that, but the, yeah, and the song usage in this episode is odd as well. It's very yeah. odd, very odd. Um, I'm also thinking- Also, why are they, sorry, what were you saying? No, 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 go ahead. I was just saying, why are they titling the episode Sweet Dreams and not doing the Beyonce song? That's all. Yeah. <laughs> Because yeah, Schuster has horrible taste. That's what we learned. It's also but like, like they, yeah, just by virtue of it being a TV show, you know that they can't do any songs that have to do with the dreams in this episode because the song appropriate to the theme is just going to be whatever they do in the regionals episode. So Will is spending mm. this entire episode being like, that song's not about dreams. We have to stick to the theme. And it's like, ooh, you don't know that you're inside a narrative. <laughs> But then most of the songs are like Fight for Your Right sung by Finn and Puck at college, which oh is Oh my like... God. They get automatically accepted into the frat because they did this extraordinary cover of Fight well, for Your Right gay. to Party. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, I really did enjoy that. I liked this. I liked the juxtaposition of like normal state school frat vibes and like new york liberal arts college because that's a passion of mine is um exposing the difference between those two experiences and i think mm-hmm. they did a pretty good job here i think that the the frat like the dorm that they were at or the i guess the frat house it was very clean and it looked very well air conditioned um no one was sweaty and the floor looked dry i was like this is not a well, bad except for the slip and slide floor Oh yes, but that was purposeful. I'm talking about when you like showed up at I don't I don't know how Manhattan frats worked, but oh, I would... it was just a very small apartment that, and then yeah, the all cops parties would, in New York. Yeah. The cops would get called after like an hour. Oh, but I've been in apartments that were maybe like 400 square foot with like 200 people, and <gasps> there's just a lot of you know tall cans. And uh, the floors are just as sticky. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you lived in a party apartment in junior and senior year. I did. I did. Famously, 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 a famous party apartment that was passed down from generations of Marymount students. Hole mm-hmm. in the wall. Um, a, a pantry called the Black Hole because no one who was in there. Um, it was great. Yeah. It's my, so- my dream. So Rachel decides to perform Don't Stop Believing at the Funny Girl audition, which she introduces by saying, hi, I'm Rachel Berry, and I'll be singing a classic. And as soon as it began, I was like, oh, you stupid, stupid bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, can yeah, we but- talk about how she led up to that song choice? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because first we have... <laughs> Her trying to, I mean, her running around her ridiculously large, like bigger than my family's home apartment in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And she's trying on all of Barbara's outfits, which I'm like, I don't know where you got those. There's like a leopard skin coat and like matching hat. She has photos of all of 
<laughs> Barbara's like lovers and husbands. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I was like, she is not going to be an idiot and choose a song from the show. Like, you never audition with a song from the show for that show. Yeah. And then she wants to. She goes into practice and she's like, (laughs) obviously, I'm auditioning for Funny Girl with Funny Girl. And Adina has to come in and be like, what you want to do is be a wedding singer in the 90s and get discovered after responding to an open call that was posted on a telephone pole. And Rachel is like, oh, you're so old. And then Adina Menzel gets upset at the (laughs) thought of being called old. And she apparently runs like a Broadway daycare or something. And she's like, I wish I was on Broadway, but instead I run a daycare. But I want you to be on Broadway, Rachel, because you can be on Broadway. That's it gave me, it, it truly gave me so much PTSD having worked for a children's like acting program where the people in charge were a husband and wife and maybe the worst people I have ever met. Well, see, you yes. want to think that Indina Menzel, you want to think that Shelby Corcoran is a good person. However, we do forget that she was the coach of Vocal Adrenaline, mm-hmm. which was famously mm-hmm. an elitist, like at sometimes transphobic, homophobic group that definitely fat shamed people, definitely like horrendously oh, yeah. bullied and assaulted the Glee Club. Like, and yeah. she was like, no, I'm just, I'm just Shelby. I'm just Rachel's mom. She, <laughs> and the she thing also had is, an affair with an 18-year-old. Oh, my she, God. She seems to be a certain type of sociopath where it's like maybe she doesn't get joy out of causing harm to people, but she doesn't seem to be particularly bothered by any negative effect that she may have on somebody. Like when she returns to the Glee Club in season three, Will is like, you know, Rachel has a lot of mommy issues. Uh, she really misses you. If she sees you without knowing that she's going to see you, it might mess her up. And then Dina's just like, oh, fine, I'll talk to her about it and she's always like but, yelling at Quinn to get her life together and then not giving her a hug yeah I and it's like how about you get your life together Shelby I I, I love know it. I was like oh I'm, I'm thinking about like Indina Menzel like Shelby Corcoran in a vacuum of this episode and now I'm like mentally revisiting her past and I'm like oh man she, she fits in with Glee she fits in mm-hmm. with the Glee universe oh for sure she really I, does I really, I mean, I'm glad. I'm like that she had another duo, and they sound. They always sound good together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I think obviously Rachel. Uh, so Adina, we do have to. Um. Should we address how Rachel was taking her eye makeup cues from you in 2014, Sam? I literally my only <laughs> note. My only note for next to me was Rachel's eyeshadow looks like shit. <laughs> Okay, no, but she was literally doing the like huge smoky eye that you did uh-huh. in college. It was so Which bad. You, can, you own it now. You own it now, right? We can talk you about it. You did a smoky eye? Listen, everybody makes poor choices in college. I wore makeup for At the least first you time. had a brand. At least you had a trademark. Exactly. I, didn't have I was consistent. Yeah, I started using makeup for the first time in my life at the beginning of my sophomore year of college. Um, and you wore a beanie every day as well. I wore a beanie every day, which my acting teacher yelled at me for. And he threw my beanie across the room. <gasps> Did he? And yelled, this is a part of your fucking mask. <gasps> and then he like made me look in a mirror and he and he was like, what do you see? And I said, myself. And he said, I see nothing. 
This oh was God. this was because I I well you know I was a bad actor and I deserved it. Um, no, you never have been a bad actor. And then when I failed to perform later on in the class, he was like, "How could you possibly feel like you can't emotionally open up in front of me?" And it was a very good catch twenty two. If I we'll see. No, finish. No, I was going to um, <laughs> say like just theater. Theater's a cult. Well, I was going to say that, you know, when Rachel first arrives at Miata and she has like traumatizing experiences in Kate Hudson's dance mm-hmm. class, I'm like, this can't be. As you should. Like, this can't be what theater school is like. And then I listen to all my friends talk about harrowing experiences in theater school. And I'm like, okay, maybe theater school in reality is as harrowing, not as sexy <laughs> as Kate yeah. Hudson traumatizing no, you. Could never be. Uh uh-uh. uh. Traumatizing. No, I Although, wish my I wish my sexy teacher I wish my acting teachers who traumatized me were as sexy as Kate Hudson while doing it. But if my mean movement teacher had also been hot, I think that it would have made things worse. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, probably. I would have probably. developed some very unhealthy sexual habits. I wish we watched more episodes of season four for this because I really want to watch it again. I want because Whoopi Goldberg, you know, worked in Niada. Oh, your like, favorite. I love Whoopi. And then, um, like, I just want to rewatch it. I, I'm really going to. I'm, uh, I'm starting with season two. I'm just going to uh, plug ahead to the end. Apparently, the part of the drama between Finn and Will in this episode, it's not just that Finn kissed Emma. It's that Will brought Finn as, on as a co-director of New Directions, but then just started treating him like an intern and asking him to get his coffee and like not letting him speak at the meetings, which Finn asks him to stop doing at the end of the episode. He's like, I'll come back, but only if you're nice to me. And Will just like puts his hand out and says, let's just move past this, which is the closest to an apology I think anybody has ever gotten from him. Oh my God. Well, yeah, and then it's like he doesn't come back. Obviously, he died, but then it's like just the chaotic plotting of the show. It's like this yeah. episode means nothing. I think that because the episode description for the episode that comes after that says Will and Finn challenge the Glee Club to do like something. So I think that the next couple episodes might be one of those things where it's like Finn's running late, but he told me to tell you that you're singing Carol King exclusively this week. Mm-hmm. And then it just cuts to like the <laughs> next day. That's such a yeah, I'm gonna have to shake though with like what is the point of this episode? Like now that I think about it, I'm like, I think they were trying to come down from the school shooting episode and then mm-hmm. maybe establish Marley as a songwriter and just show Indeedamans. I mean, uh, Leah Michelle auditioning for a funny girl. Like, yeah, I think that the only thing that really comes out of this episode is funny girl. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad, I'm very blessed for the four minutes that we got with Indina Menzel. Um Oh yeah. But I also, I'm laughing, like, I don't know what Manhattan schools are like necessarily, but I work at NYU and I know that we have to swipe into every single building that we walk into. And I was like, my college in Pennsylvania, like anybody could walk into any building whenever they wanted in Allentown. But like, she's just like, yep, I walked into the like fictional equivalent of Juilliard. I'm here. This place is huge. (laughs) And I found you in this practice room. And I just, I just wanted to see you before your audition. And we're like, why are you in New York City? Why are you on this campus? Just send a text. 
that I'm going to come. Like, I was like in Manhattan. Rachel probably sent her her location. Like, Rachel probably, she probably has Rachel like auto location in her phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or she like tweeted from a location. She's like at practice room B yeah. at Niata doing. Oh my God. Uh, performing Rachel- my, my funny girl. Rachel is 100% one of those people who posts like eight Facebook statuses a day. Well, then, then in well, your, like, I saw you posting as Barbara, so I knew you got a funny girl audition. So, like, she has an <laughs> alter ego that she posts in on Facebook. Like, just imagine Rachel Berry logging onto Facebook and being like, Hi, everybody, it's Barbara here. I'm so glad to tell you that my protege, Rachel Berry, will soon be taking over my previous role of Fanny Bryce in the Broadway revival of Cover Girl. I mean, Funny Girl. Just eat Cover Girl. <laughs> I just, I wish Rachel Berry was like, got it today. <laughs> I wish Rachel was like shit posting as Barbara though. Like, <laughs> oh, that would be a funny Twitter. Like I want Rachel Berry as Barbara shit posting. <laughs> like I want to think that she's like eloquent and like, I don't know, just very sophisticated on her Facebook posts, but I want to see her like shit posting. Like, don't tell me not to live. Just sit and putter. <laughs> Roar. Oh. XD. <laughs> I think this might be time to tell our listeners, Sam, about my pre-audition ritual. Yes. Oh, my before. God. I love so, it so much. Um, I've taken to it myself audition. when I'm on my way yeah, to an open free. mic. You can you say have, it. So what you do is you... I started doing this um, shortly after this episode aired. Not this one, but one shortly after. Where, so when Santana bursts into the Funny Girl audition... Um, to be Fanny's understudy and sings flawlessly performs our my parade. Honestly, that's the best moment of the last like three, three years of the show probably. Yeah. Um, I listened to Santana's cover, which is now even more poignant because of uh, rest in peace uh, of Rain of my parade. Every, every time I go on an audition, I listen to her cover of it on my way there. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to listen while you're walking and like walk you have to listen while you're walking. Sometimes I listen to also Leah Michelle's cover because 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 I do enjoy the end when she goes that that thing she does, but mm-hmm. mostly Naya Rivera's version. Um, yeah, and it just gets you into the audition mindset. And I wish I could have um, wish I could have told Naya that. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that is knows. such a good scene, and she's so good. She's so good at that. I'm so so mad that she's not in this episode. Yeah, why? Why? They're working like 24-7 at that diner. So she's just probably- Oh, is she with Demi Lovato right now? Or is that later? Oh, maybe. I feel like we've had to see Demi Lovato at this point, right? No? I did not know that Demi Lovato was on this show. Already. Demi Lovato date Santana for like- five episodes while she's broken up with Brittany. Oh my God. Well, don't worry. Demi at some point disappears into the ether like everybody else. So. Okay. Oh, completely ether. Oh yeah, that's why they're also in a band with Adam Lambert. So I think that is season five. Wow. Oh, we haven't gotten there. Wow. So yeah, we're in Santana. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I saw an article, really? like a Hollywood Reporter article where they were covering Corey Monteith's death and it was like, Ryan Murphy says that he's not sure how the show is going to handle the death of Corey Monteith. And check back in later. 
Ryan Murphy also previously said that Adam Lambert would make an appearance on Glee, but that has yet to materialize. And I was like, what? God, we live in a... He's recast spin at Adam Lambert. Oh my God. (gasps) Could you imagine? Imagine all the horrible things. Like, I do think that they did the right thing when Corey Monteith died. Imagine if they had just recast him and had everybody pretend not to notice. Absolutely not. No, I think that is... Really? Did someone die on that show? No, Santino Fontana had other career pursuits Mm. as like a main character. So he goes away at some point for like rehab or something. His character's just gone. And when he comes back, it is Skylar Aston. But But they're all like that's greg that's greg they're like he's oh. just, they're like well he's different now he's changed but like obviously we know it's Tyler Aston, which honestly i ended up that's kind of funny um they somehow did it very gracefully yeah they did it well i think yeah um interesting i think you, there are ways i mean obviously people know that that happens and i think in a show like that show is very like theatrical right because it's musical numbers i feel like in theater, we, you know, we don't see people as characters because characters are played by multiple people all the time in any show, mm-hmm. right? So if, yeah. if I'm, and in, in Glee, like, you know, it's the same thing. Obviously, they don't recast anybody in Glee, but I feel like, you know, it's, that's something that's already in people's they, minds. In they the do recast Rachel's dads. <gasps> yeah, right, right. They make them, who is it? Jeff Goldblum, isn't he one of them? Yeah, and then somebody else. I forget who. Oh, Brian Stokes Mitchell. Right. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I'm like, I guess the Broadway zeitgeist of like our existence does not exist in their existence. Like, I would like no. to- Well, Adina, <laughs> Kristen. What I'm saying is I would love to know in their worlds, like they love Wicked, who- True. Who was there, Kristen Chenoweth? Who- and yeah. yeah. Like- True. Who is it instead? If, if In we this have- world- Stephanie J. Block got to do it the whole way through. (laughs) I think Sherry Renee Scott was involved. I think Kelly O'Hara. My favorite piece of Wicked lore is when they had Stephanie J. Block play Alphabet in the workshop. And then when they moved it to Broadway, they were like, we're going with a star. You know what? I cannot imagine anyone playing, originating that role besides Stephen. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, but just like dissing Stephanie J. Block who eventually will also become a star. It's so mean. Yeah, of course. Well, Adina was the original, um, uh, no, she did the workshop for Jagged Little Pill. And let me tell you, that would have been iconic. Wow. I would have loved that. But uh, also, was it Kristen, the original Millie? And then Sutton was her understudy? I don't know. I think think that it was Kristen. It wasn't Kristen Chenoweth. There was some other person and she's not well known, like wasn't well known at the time. Cause I only read about this a couple months ago, but then she I feel like, like, oh, went on. Maybe Kristen was on at some point though, but maybe but Kristen did the workshop. Oh, maybe God, I would have killed to see Probably. that. There's always a workshop star. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, I mean, I'm looking at, so it's, it's just so interesting. Like seeing who is like Josh Groban exists in this universe. They're like, yeah. that is Josh yes, Groban. But he like, also plays a character as well, right? He plays that acapella person. Oh, wait a minute. Does he not play himself in the Glee universe? He does. He he does both. So oh, in, okay. in the first three episodes, he plays that guy with who lost the hand, I think. 
or both of his hands. Oh, are you talking about Sam? And then the creepy. No, um, the creepy guy. But then there's also Josh Groban playing a guy who lost his hands in the Acapellas group. It's the worst episode of all time. And then um, at the end of the season, he plays himself judging the regionals. Yes, yes, yes. With Olivia Newton-John. Yes. It's so like it, a meta joke. So I feel it, like there could be an Adina Menzel in the universe. She just looks exactly like Shelby. That's fair. Okay. Because I was like, you can't possibly tell me that like you don't know who Leah Michelle is, who is in Spring Awakening, but you also look exactly <laughs> like Leah Michelle. Yeah. Um, but just I'm willing like, to wager that Spring Awakening does not exist in the Glee universe. That's tragic. That's, that's my. Tragic. I'm yeah. dying on that hill. That like how how could so how could Spring Awakening possibly not exist in the Glee universe? Like what's what would have swept the Tonys in the Glee universe year of two thousand seven? Um, let's find out. I'm looking up what else was nominated <laughs> that year. I truly can't believe that they didn't do Spring Awakening in some capacity. Like, why did the Glee kids not sing "Totally Fucked"? They should have done it after Rachel graduated, you know? (laughs) As she gets on the train and leaves for New York. Yeah, we're fucked. (laughs) Aren't we so glad that... Let's talk about things that we're so glad Glee ended before happening in the real world. Like, um, for one, Hamilton, for one. Hamilton, yeah. Is a big one. So relieved that Glee ended, like, the year Hamilton came out. Yeah. was Wrecking Wop. Ball on Glee? Wrecking Ball was on Glee. It's performed by Marley in the episode oh, Are You a God. Katie or a Gaga? Oh, God, you're right. It's, it's, it's miserable. It's wow. miserable. So wait, in the, Glee, in the Glee universe, where Spring Awakening doesn't exist, either Curtains, Grey Gardens, or Mary Poppins would have swept the Tonys. Mm. Oh, God. Thank I guess God, Grey Gardens, so maybe? I think... Um, I'm Mary Poppins could have had a shot. I'm gonna say Mary That's Poppins a good musical, too. actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but like, talk about tonal differences. I know <laughs> none of those are Were interesting. Were those the only musicals me. nominated? It was the musicals nominated for best musical, and then best revival mm. of a musical was Company, The Apple Tree, A Chorus Line, and uh, 110 in the Shade. 110 in the Shade. There was a chorus line revival in 2007. Yeah. Oh my God. The fact that Jenna Ushkowitz was in Spring Awakening too. Yeah. I mean, I guess like to be fair to these kids, like, yeah, we had YouTube in 2007, but like Leah Michelle or Rachel Berry, I guess really was like posting her videos on MySpace in season yeah. one. She so was these- so active on MySpace. Yeah. Like I feel like Spring Awakening existed, but they couldn't see bootlegs. Where do what do where do we think right. the Glee cast, the Glee characters rather stand on Broadway bootlegs? Because I can see Rachel Berry being like very vocally anti-bootleg on Facebook, but then she has a yeah. secret alter ego with like a Geosities account who's like swapping bootlegs of different shows so that it's she can study trader. all the performers. She's a bootleg trader. Mm-hmm. I think. I think Brittany has all the bootlegs and she just doesn't even know how. <laughs> I, she like trades them out. 
<laughs> I'm trying to think who would actually care. I mean, I think they all – here's the thing though. This is reality is people will be like, oh, don't trade bootlegs. And then like everybody watches bootlegs. Even if you're staunchly somebody who's mm. like, do not film the show, like Broadway stars all the time are like, I don't like bootlegs, but you can tag me. Yeah, but I post one on Instagram. I won't be mad. I have news about this Broadway season. Sorry. Um, I think it's kind of horrific that Legally Blonde was not nominated for Best Musical. Wow. It was nominated for acting categories and it was it came out that year. That mean that's what that means. Oof. Are you telling me that curtains and gray gardens are better than Legally Blonde? Yeah, no way. That's Laura Bell Bundy. Wow. Well, that's misogyny at work, lads. <laughs> there it is. Well, that right. would have swept. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't do a Legally Blonde episode. They should have. There's a page on the Glee wiki that's like um, a list of every song that they covered, and it's sorted by artist. And mm. every day I just go on there and control F, and I'm like, Fiona Apple, and there's nothing. And like... <laughs> I would like to say that I went on the Glee Wiki yesterday and someone was indeed updating the Artie Abrams page. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what more information. It was Kevin McHale. It was Kevin McHale. <laughs> I was like, what more info do we not know about Artie in 2021 that oh someone just God. discovered? I'm going to see if I can. Is there like a way to see what was added? Oh, I don't know. It says on the side, like it'll tell you yeah. on the side if you're on a page what's been recently updated and who did update it. Yeah. I I didn't care to click and find out what was updated about Artie. I think I know that he's a misogynist and he is he's a misogynist. And I love that for him. He took like a nosedive into misogyny though. Like they really just wrote like, him. They made a choice. Just like he took a nosedive into that swimming pool when they sang We Found Love. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I'm shook. Um, I cannot wait till we watch this entire show. I'm so excited. Now. Yeah. Watch okay. It. I cannot find the edit history on the wiki page, but tragic. Uh, do we have any other notes before we move on to awards? Um, I would just like to say that to sum up Leah Michelle's audition, I just don't know why they called it an open cattle call because it was organized in the Broadway theater where there were a couple of quiet women backstage waiting their turn to go on. <laughs> Leah Michelle. Right. Where's Ripley Greer? Where's Ripley Greer? Like, they also had appointments. Like, she was like, I'm preparing for the audition that I have secured. And mm-hmm. I was like, this is not an open cattle call. And then Sydney, the producer, rolled his eyes at the woman who did a perfectly fine job but happened to be an opera singer. Yeah. And they're like, ugh, next. And then Sydney's like, God, we should have just made an offer to Miley Cyrus. That felt fat phobic to me. <laughs> I just also, have- Miley Cyrus should play Funny Girl. Let she me just should say that play right Funny now. Girl. They should have made that offer. But, but it's, I, it's insane. It's insane. The, the way that they're like, oh, she did opera, like, so inappropriate. And then Rachel comes in and sings Journey. And they're like, but perhaps this could be a new like, twist on an old story. Like, it's just because she's, what? like, skinny and beautiful. They're like, That's what gave you the strength to make this choice? And she's like, my friends. 
Oh my gosh. I have friends in high school and they made me who I am. That stupid fucking Harry Potter speech. That stupid Nissa speech. (laughs) Oh my God. can't oh my god i'm rachel berry and i'll be singing a classic but i also (laughs) want to say that like she has been prepping for this audition in such a secret way right like she was like i'm embodying barbara i'm doing my research this is extremely important to me i want to show these producers who i'm looking up to and highly respect that i'm taking the craft super seriously right she's like it would be an absolute Mm. honor and a dream to perform in the show and then you have the people who are casting it who are like, we should have hired Miley Cyrus. And it's just like, once again, it just shows that the people auditioning for stuff, the Glee kids who are competing in these competitions that are sacred to them, always take it more seriously than the adjudicators. Because the adjudicators are like Lindsay Lohan and Perez Hilton and like local magician from the town over. Or someone who doesn't give a shit and wants to hire Miley Cyrus. And I was like, why is it that these people who are like trying for the thing always take it so seriously and then they get to the thing and the people in charge of judging it are like mediocre? Yeah. You're talking on Glee or the real world? Because I think that it, that is the one statement I think Glee makes that I do think is kind of it is, it is true ways. to life, but I think that there is something so delightfully insane about the fact that this is proven true again and again at every single sectionals, at every single regionals. By the mm-hmm. way, this is supposed to be like an underdog glee club that goes to nationals like five out of the every six year. seasons that it has. Secondly, uh, you would think that the indifference, the belligerent indifference of the judges would lead the glee club to be like well they're just going to base it on bullshit anyway so we might as well be our best selves and then will comes back and he's like we have to make sure that we adhere directly to the theme and follow all the rules because the judges are going to be making sure that we adhere to the theme and it's like the judges are going to be wondering if they shit their pants or just let out a regular fart There's like one judge at one competition who comes with her dog. And I think the dog makes the final call. Like, <laughs> all Schuster's like, yeah. guys, it's about tradition and rules. And the dog is like, woof, woof, Glee Club wins. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, I do think you're right, Jake. Oh, yeah. It's actually a statement that the real world does follow by. Um, it's true. I mean, I think that the Glee is forever, you know, just jumping between like complete jaded cynicism and then like optimism. And it's just like, sometimes it too, I sometimes I just wish they'd pick a side for like one episode, mm-hmm. maybe, yes. but that's that's the Glee universe. It's yeah. the Glue universe. That's why we keep coming back. <laughs> so, Jake. Yes. Your favorite piece of Adina Menzel media that we've imbibed for this podcast. It turns out is actually Wicked. And I've been asking you if it was Rent. Oh. But then I edited the Wicked episode and you said that Wicked was better than Rent. So is Glee season oh, four Why better than Wicked? Well, first of all, is any I'm trying to think if anything is better than Wicked that we've watched before this but I don't think it is. So I'm going to go ahead and say that, yes, I'm kidding. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Here on the Tony Awards, we give three awards to each piece of media that we watch, the first of which is best prop. So Christine, what's your best prop? 
Um, can I do a tie? Yes. Of my best prop. Yeah. My first uh, best prop is the entire shepherd's pie that Coach Beast is eating for lunch. <laughs> as Love Roz her. Washington ambushes her <laughs> at lunch mm. with a wild story. Um, but my actual best prop, my favorite prop is when Finn is struggling for a good five to ten seconds to figure out how to plug in his laptop charger. And then he <laughs> does not succeed. Uh, and Rachel calls him. So luckily he's like spared the shame of not knowing how to plug in his device. <laughs> uh, oh my, my best prop was the um, the iron that Finn uses to make toast in his <laughs> dorm hallway. I was trying to figure out what he was making because he just kind of is like slapping some butter on a piece of bread and then putting the iron on it for like two seconds and then putting it on a plate and handing it to people. So I was like, I guess that's like buttered toast. Oh my God. I mean, that's what college, that's what college is. Yeah, yeah. Um, my best prop is the xylophone that Becky destroys and uh, her range of being Blaine insinuating that she had something to do with the gun. Oh she walks God. away and just flips over. Also, phone, which is kind of a callback to Sue destroying a piano yes. uh, in season three, which I like. She also says, mind your own gay business, which I, that's mm. what I want to say to Blaine at any given moment on this show. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> like Blaine. But she also calls him gay Blaine. Yeah, She's like, mind your own gay business, gay Blaine. comma gay Blaine. I really, I Blaine really becomes kind of insufferable as time goes on. I'm, I, uh, no, I don't. But yeah, I kind of wish that Becky had just called him a faggot. Why? Yeah, I think Be- it would have been. Becky can say faggot. Yeah, hasn't has she not said that before? They like really went into a, <laughs> a dark moment of Becky's dialogue where they. For a while, like she was just saying horrible things. Yeah, like, she attempted like, suicide like yesterday. And the <laughs> the whole the treatment of Becky on this show is mon Ryan Murphy is a sociopath. He's obsessed with like getting woke points by having people with developmental delays and disabilities on his show. But then because Glee is about horrible people and all of his shows are about horrible people, he's making them a target for ableism at the hands of other characters. And also like there's there's a scene in season three where Becky has to call Will sexy. And I'm like, what, why? Why did you put this young actress in this position? <laughs> because he's Ryan Murphy. Yeah. He's horrible. Oh, God. So uh, the next award is the best Adina moment. Uh, Christine, what was your best Adina moment? Uh, it was the callback to her um, <clears throat> entire costume from If Then, the musical. I don't wow. know which one. I don't remember which one came first. <laughs> But she does walk in the room wearing basically her Tony Awards performance outfit. Like the purple jacket, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's just like long frumpy sweater, solid color shirt. She just she just looks like that all the time. I'm now at this moment choosing to believe that she plays the same character in Glee and if then. Mm -hmm. And it's and it's just her as herself. (laughs) 
I'm so excited to talk about If Then because I saw it on Broadway and <gasps> it was so it was so fun. Just the fact that the show opened with a spotlight on her face and she goes, hey, it's me. And everyone goes, <laughs> yeah! You know what? I saw it like two days after she was forced to sing Let It Go for New Year's Eve and was like, <gasps> because oh, that song was no. not written to be sung more than twice in your life, mm-hmm. um, which I like felt bad no. for her for. But the music for If Then, like so so beautifully suited her voice and she basically got on stage and was like mm. yeah i'm about to kill this music and we were like yes queen <laughs> come back sing in your octave yay sing in, <laughs> sing in i your love range, that please, just let altos be altos yes i will vote who at my... i do love her let it go live though i'll put andrew yang on my ballot if he promises to let altos be altos <laughs> Sir, what are your thoughts on altos? <laughs> so my best Adina <laughs> moment uh, was when she goes on a big speech about how she has no regrets. She's like, obviously, I wanted to be on Broadway exactly where you are right now in your exact spot playing Fanny Bryce. But I have no regrets. I have my daycare. It's fine. <laughs> It is honestly so tragic that Rachel returns to teach show choir in season six. It's very like you will never avoid becoming your parents. It's so tragic. It's deeply. Also, Um, the the way that she's casually like, I just wanted to see my daughter, even though she's always telling Rachel that she's not her daughter. She's like, I'm not your mom. (laughs) Are you allowed to like call someone who's your biological child, like your daughter, if you don't have an emotional bond? They have the weirdest relationship. It's so weird. I think that they... Platonic. You're my spawn, Rachel. My beautiful spawn (laughs) on Broadway. Uh, Christine, what was your custom award? Oh, I didn't do my Adina moment. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. What was your Adina moment? Uh, No, (laughs) it's literally just her cold that she had when she (laughs) filmed this entire scene. and (laughs) And recorded the song with the same cold. Apparently, but she worked it. I love when people sound sick. And since she always kind of sounds vaguely sick anyway, it was even better. Well, this confirms that I couldn't tell if she had a cold or not. So I'm glad I have a She definitely had a cold. Wow. She was like, I mean, she did get a little more, she did get like 20% more nasally, like from frozen on. Mm. So I feel like maybe this is just her current mode that she's finally reached, but. Anyways, wow. Custom award. So, Jake, what was your custom award? Um, mine is the award for, I guess I call it uh, the sequelitis award, um, which is a term I kind of maybe made up, but probably didn't. It's like when, you, when you're watching something that's like a sequel to something that's great, or you're watching something that Tina Fey made after 30 Rock that has the same sensibility, but it's not 30 Rock. Um, you know, when you're like watching something and it reminds you of something else, but you miss the other thing and you wish you're watching that instead. Yeah. Like, so that's what I got when I watched Rachel do Don't Stop Believing for her audition. Cause I'm like, oh, it reminded me of the show when it was actually better. And like, why are they like do- actually doing this? Uh, you know what I mean? It's like the fact that they keep doing Don't Stop Believing is like the only thing tethering them to people watching the show. <laughs> at this point and it's kind of sad yeah 
Yeah, I think that this is, they do Don't Stop Believing so often on this show. Like, they just sing that song over and over again. And I remember being 11, before, way before the show came out, and my brother showing me Don't Stop Believing on YouTube and being like, this is the best song ever. And I was like, this is a stupid song. And then when Glee came out, I was like, I guess I have to like Journey now. Yeah, I remember seeing this song in a play at my high school, like two years before Glee. And I was like, what a cool retro song. And everyone was like, yeah, we're high schoolers doing Don't Stop Believing, it's fine. And then Glee (laughs) happened and then it was over, but yeah. Amazing. Uh, Christine, what was your custom award? Um, Well, to call back to Becky Jackson, it was the uh, most consistently dramatic behavior. Uh, (laughs) It does go to Miss Becky Jackson for yelling at Blaine. pushing a girl and overturning a xylophone, which it has been established that Becky Jackson despises xylophones. Oh my God. Oh, she plays it, right? She, yeah, every time boom, boom, she has a xylophone, boom. she like ends up destroying thing. it. The, she yes. destroys it. And then Sue Sylvester states, Becky Jackson hates the xylophone. So it's like, at least- Love that character consistent. trait. <laughs> at least they stay consistent in one place. And it's wow. Becky Jackson's- <laughs> Is that listed on the Glee wiki on a sidebar? Oh my god! Dislikes xylophones. Not. I will have to create an account and (laughs) add that. Uh, My custom award is most entertaining conspiracy theory, and it goes to Nene Leakes for positing that Blaine and Becky put a hex on Sue Sylvester to cause her to drop her gun. And then she makes them swear. And then she makes them swear that they're not going to put a hex on her, which I really enjoyed. I I did enjoy that. I'm just realizing that Jane Lynch wasn't in this episode either. Yeah, she's fired in this episode. She but she could have easily just been hanging out eating like shrimp. That would have outside the school. You know what though? Every time Roz Washington is on screen saying anything like assaulting coach beast as coach beast eats a shepherd's pie like just going into whatever whenever she opens her mouth i'm like the money and the time that the writers should have spent on will schuster they spent on Roz washington and, and it's I'm, what she deserves fine. and i'm okay with it <laughs> she deserves i need more real housewives playing roles as themselves on oh what i would give for a camille grammar spot on glee (gasps) on glee oh she what would she say what could she sing he should have played terry (gasps) well no because the the woman who plays terry is so good oh my god she could play camille in the movie wow yes in the in the beverly hills film that i cast every day anyways All right, uh, that is the end anything. of our podcast. Christine, do you have anything to plug? Um, no. Neither do I. <laughs> it's the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Jake? Um, take some time to enjoy the view. Uh, get your shot and um, <laughs> hail payment. Hail payment. <laughs> All right. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.